Welcome to Solidarity Sports. Uh, we are kicking it off today. Uh, this is our introductory episode. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while, so we finally made it. Uh, I'm here with my good friends. Uh, we got Stevin Smith on the mic, hey, and we up? got John Paul Jackson wrecked. Hello. The, he does have four names, and you use all of them when you address him. Okay, well, it's three names, but, you know, got a little half name in the middle there. That's all right. This is a hyphen. Uh, does a hyphen count as one <laughs> or two? Who knows? Um. So, yeah, so basically the theme of our show, you know, just kind of like set us uh, apart from the pack a little bit. You know, we got a lot of sports. What are you getting here? Uh, me, Steven, and JP, uh, we routinely argue uh, mainly on a day-to-day basis uh, about a variety of sports topics. We are all passionate sports fans, of course. Um, so we decided to just put our day-to-day conversations and debates, uh, record them, and put them out and see what uh, comes out. Um, I mean, does that sound fair, guys? I mean, that's where we're yeah, at. Yeah, right? I mean, our opinions yeah. are better than theirs. So, I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, that's why I, they come here. With you on that. Yep. That's true. So hopefully we uh, reel you in. Um, we'll be a little, well, at times, maybe more civil than Skip and Shannon, but at times, uh, definitely more uh, roasting um, than Skip and Shannon. Get a little more personal there. Uh, so that'll be exciting, too. Um, I've never played in the league, so uh, I don't have to respect them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to respect what? Uh, just just uh, what, what people think. Oh, yeah, like how Shannon yeah. played in the league. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Y'all are paying um, me, so I've got to respect y'all anyway. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody's getting paid as of right now, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do there uh, in the future. Tell me why is it solidarity? Uh, solidarity is our just kind of like, you know, call to action between the three of us, right? Like, uh, we see, you know, we're into betting. So sometimes it's betting. Maybe we want, we, we, we're all uniting on one front and whether it's a pick or a game, um, when we're trying to debate with each other, obviously we're ultimately trying to convince each other of something and get a path forward. So that's solid. Yeah, but what, what, that, what does together. that mean for the viewer? What, what does that mean for the person listening? How do they know that we're in solidarity about something? So for all of our opinions, we're naturally going to have a common opinion. There's going to be a majority opinion. So, for example, we've got a slate of NFL playoff games and, you know, other questions regarding the playoffs. And we're going we're gonna to start there and sort of introduce this, this concept. So let me, let me just bring you all in. The first one. As a Seahawks fan personally, I hate this franchise. Ever since 05, when they absolutely screwed us out of a Super Bowl, I've hated this franchise. Do we think the Steelers sneak into the playoffs? Do you think there's some way that the magic of Pittsburgh comes around and screws us over yet again? My man, I really, uh, to be honest, I thought you were saying that you hated the franchise uh, of Seattle as a Seahawks fan. I, I, I also pivoted hate there yeah. to the Steelers, <laughs> uh, which is fair. Uh, I mean, Seattle sports, I think, is, uh, you know, a sad story, honestly, mm-hmm. over the last yeah. decade. Um, but we could talk about the Steelers for a little bit. Um, I mean, the Steelers have that certain magic right now. Um, they've completely turned it around, went from two and six to six and two. Uh, they are desperately trying to save, uh, Mike Tomlin, who's one of the best coaches, obviously in the NFL. They are desperately trying to save that, uh, winning record streak, uh, or above 500 streak, which is a little harder right now with the 17th game. They need a lot to happen though. So I think that the Steelers, if they controlled their destiny, they'd be in. 
I mean, they got to play uh, the ghost of Deshaun Watson in uh, against Cleveland next week. So I think that they win that game. The question is, do the Dolphins and also the Patriots lose their games? Um, so, yeah. I think it's definitely possible that they get in, uh, but that's really tough uh, to determine depending on what happens with the Bills. Because if the Bills, if they somehow reschedule the Bengals game and they win, well, then they're not going to really need their starters for that particular time or whatever. Mm. So, you know, they might rest some people because they have the one seed locked up. So if they rest people when the one seed's locked up, the Patriots are going to be desperate and, you know, play with that sense of fervor, like we can make it. And then they're going to win against the Bills, who are also a hated rival. So not controlling your own destiny at this time of year, you know, beggars can't be choosers, obviously, but I would have to say, no, I don't think the Steelers are going to sneak into the playoffs because. So I'm going to, I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to join in solidarity with Devin here. We have our first solidarity. The Steelers will not make the playoffs. (laughs) And that is because very simply the Patriots who are the other magical Cinderella story every freaking year. They always make the playoffs. It doesn't matter who their coach is. It doesn't matter who their player is. It doesn't matter that they have a baby at quarterback. It's the fact <laughs> that they, they will always make the playoffs. It's the same thing with the Steelers. It's the only thing that can cancel out the magic of the Steelers. So it's it's the reason the Steelers won't make the playoffs. I'm sure the Dolphins will lose. They've been doing great at losing recently. And so <laughs> at the end of the day, it really just comes down to the Patriots, and I think the Patriots squeak it in, and they're the seventh seed, and they get to wreak havoc in the playoffs like they well they have it recently but they usually do yeah they lost 47 to like 14 you know last year against the bills after beating them so you know like they're gonna they're gonna be an easy out in the play like they would play the chiefs in that case and the chiefs are gonna boat race them so yeah hey hey, jp yeah what's up you know what we got here what's that we got super solidarity and it's the return (laughs) of the mac mac jones will be in the playoffs (laughs) Um, you know, it, it, it is just going to happen. I, I think the, the Patriots obviously want to take care of business against the bills, the bills, you know, c- can't say enough what a difficult position that they're in right now. Um, I think they do need to put their best foot forward for the playoffs. I could easily see some of their starters. Uh, I think as Devin mentioned, you know, sitting that one out, um, you know, wherever their seating is going to fall, it might be out of their hands. They might actually not control their destiny anymore. So um, I, yeah, I mean, I think the bills just got to save face and and move forward and, and look uh, to the playoffs. And and I I think that lets the Patriots sneak in right now. Um, uh, Stevenson obviously is going to go beast mode. So yeah, we definitely, we have super solidarity on the first pick. I do think the Steelers win. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I don't think win. enough is going to happen. Um, and uh, as a side note, Kenny Pickett should be rookie of the year. But, you know, as a Seahawks fan, I know that we're going to disagree with that one, uh, JP. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you're just clearly not looking at the same reality I am. So let's stay in the <laughs> AFC here real quick. Uh, I think I don't want to spoil another thing, but I think we might have super solidarity again. But Jaguars or Titans, we have a primetime matchup on Saturday. What's going what's going to happen? Well, first of all, the Jags in primetime, what year, what millennium are we living in? Like, the Jags are actually good. The Lions have a chance to make the playoffs. Where are we? Like, seriously. But, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars are starting to figure it out. I think that this year they've proven that Urban Meyer was the problem last year, not Trevor Lawrence, not any of the roster. Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl-winning coach. He's given Trevor the keys, and Trevor's driving the car pretty good. I mean, there were some bumps in the road early on, but he's getting to the destination, which is winning the AFC South. So, this 
pretty simple. They have their quarterback and the Titans don't. The Titans, you know, Malik Willis is looking like a bust and so much so that they brought Joshua Dobbs off the street somewhere. And, you know, Derrick Henry can't run the ball 30 times or 35 times. And if he does, he might only get 85 yards because they're stacking the box. So I think Jags easily win over the Titans this week. Uh, I mean, hard to disagree with anything you said. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback the Jaguars have had since Blake Bortles. Um, I don't think he will be as good as Blake Bortles because I don't think he wins a playoff game. Um, but this is this is a certain level of magic. Um, part of me in the back of my mind just thinks that Jacksonville is going to find a way to utterly kick the pooch on this one. But as of right now, analytically, they have the matchup um, ETN and Jermichael Hasty really emerging as the RB2 there. Last week, they ran all over uh, the field. Uh, I mean, the Jaguars are in a good place. You got the coaching. You got Trevor Lawrence playing top notch. You got receivers. I mean, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones emerging. Evan Ingram doing the best that he's ever done uh, playing that uh, mobile athletic tight end role. Everything's rolling here. Um, the Titans. Yeah. I mean, Joshua Dobbs, I mean, what are you going to expect? Derrick Henry is not going to be able to run the ball 30 times when they're down 14, nothing very quickly. It's, it's a sad story. Yeah, well, I mean, as I as I hinted at earlier, we're in super solidarity here. Uh, as as you mentioned, Evan Ingram's super doing something super solidarity. <laughs> Are you going to do that every time? As, as I as I as I mentioned earlier, um, super solidarity. I, I think that <clears throat> Evan Ingram's going to do something that Giants fans aren't familiar with, and that's catch a football. Uh, and so, <laughs> at the end of the day, end too, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, so at the end of the day, you got the you got the Jags at home versus the Titans in prime time, and I mean, look, I live in Jacksonville. The whole city's behind them. Not me. The whole city's behind them. So at the end of the day, yeah, the the Jags. I, I don't will think say this. Of a question. We have a question. I, I, yeah, I don't think that there <laughs> should be much of a question analytically. I will say this though. I'm going to out myself. Not a great season, but I am an Indianapolis Colts fan. Uh, JP, we pointed out, a Seahawks fan. Steven is a little bit of a, a free agent on the fan base here uh, the last year. Um, but I am a Colts fan through and through, and Jacksonville absolutely screwed us out of a playoff game last year. Uh, I do not blame Carson Wentz for that. I blame the Jaguars because they suck. So I would love nothing more than to see the Titans pull this off and keep the Jaguars out. I just don't think it's going to happen. So, you know. It would be an insanely Jacksonville move for them to do that. So, yeah. so that's good. I think we've all announced our fan bases here. So let's let's take our let's take ourselves a bit, a little jaunt over the Pacific Northwest. And uh let's let's talk about <laughs> Seattle. They're they're facing their own playoff elimination game. So I'm going to start off because I'm heated. All right, boys. I am absolutely <laughs> livid about the NFL screwing he up is burning. Like they did. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, the NFL did not did not schedule any games until the week before. And at first I was like, oh, this is a this is a considerate thing. It's to make sure that teams won't know whether or not they're eliminated, make it more intense matchup, you know, anything like the sort. No. That was not the reason because they have screwed the pooch in so many different ways. I cannot believe they have the Seahawks playing before the Packers lines. Why, why should the Lions be able to know whether or not they're in playoff contention, which is the only way that the Seahawks can get in the playoffs before they play the game? 
Why why should they not have the heart and spirit to go fight off for a playoff spot instead of knowing that they're eliminated before the Packers? The only the only situation is either the Seahawks lose to the Rams or the or the Lions think they have a playoff shot. Or they don't have a playoff shot. They're gonna get eliminated to the Packers. So I just think I think it's a little bit it, it's a little bit of favoritism towards Aaron Rodgers. Again, I think I think mm-hmm. they have a certain story in mind that they're kind of pushing for the for the playoffs. I think I think it would be good for the NFL if Aaron Rodgers were to return to the playoffs. Uh, you know, there, there, there's no there's no conspiracy theory here. We know who scheduled the games. It was Goodell. Spoiler alert. So Seahawks got screwed here again. It's a consistent theme, and I will be bitching about it the entire show. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, uh, my. I think that being said, that being said, even though I'm putting all the blame on Goodell for the Lions not having a shot uh, at beating the Packers, knowing that they would be eliminated, I still think the Seahawks lose to the Rams. I don't think there's a shot. I I think it's it's tradition for Seattle. We already beat them, I think. Uh, Everybody's beaten the Rams this year. I know. Uh, So the the thing is, we we, we can't sweep anyone in the NFC West. I can't remember the last time we did it. So I think we might have we might have beat the Cardinals twice, but um, yeah, no, I, I don't think there's a shot. So, what do y'all think? Well, JP, I'm not sure if your take there was uh, an attempt to reverse jinx the uh, the old football <laughs> gods to try to get <laughs> Seattle a win this weekend. But on your take integrity here, I'm going to have to agree with you. I don't see I don't see Green Bay losing to Detroit at home, which you would need to happen in order for Seattle to make the playoffs. And you know what? Geno Smith's been a success story. As far as I'm concerned, this season has already been a success for the Seattle Seahawks. Not only have you somewhat found a rejuvenated Geno Smith, you got Tariq Woolen playing out of his mind as a rookie from the fifth round. You know, DK and Tyler Lockett were doing well with Geno. And hell, you know, you guys won the Broncos trade pretty decisively. So no matter what happens this Sunday, you guys are in a very, very good spot going forward. Having said that, you know, I just can't bet against Aaron Rodgers against the Detroit Lions at home, especially after the embarrassment that they had, you know, losing 15 to 9 early in the season. So Seattle's out. Uh, it, it, it's really a tough position to be in. I, I don't know if I share your sentiment over the scheduling snafu, JP. I think that, I think that the Lions would love nothing more than to send a message to the Packers that they do not run that division anymore <clears throat> in ways that the Vikings cannot because the Vikings continue to screw up games that they should easily win. The Vikings do not have a firm hold on this division, even though their record might say they do this season. I think that the Lions are definitely up and coming. I have loved the Lions all year. I think they would love nothing more than to send Aaron Rodgers packing and really what else if they know that they can't make the playoffs they have nothing more to play for than to screw over Aaron Rodgers they <clears throat> like the Seahawks they already have a top 10 pick uh through no fault of their own that is the amazing thing here between the Seahawks and the Lions they both are going to have potentially top 5 picks coming up in the draft uh that they did not produce themselves which is amazing so the Lions are going to get a top pick no matter what. They can easily win this game and not like worry about uh, where their pick is going to fall. I think the Lions could still do you a solid there. In terms of the Seahawks winning in their own right, this feels like the Jaguars. There's no reason analytically they should not win this game. The Rams are depleted. The Rams don't care. They have no like dog in the fight. Um, nothing good or bad happens to the Rams. 
Baker Mayfield, I think, does care about winning this game just because he could be playing for his future. Is he a backup in the league? Is he a starter? Does he get another shot somewhere else? Uh, I think he could very well stay as the backup uh, to Matthew Stafford, who we know misses at least on average 3.8 games a season. Um, <laughs> that is not verified. That's just coming from me. So, so yeah, I think he's got a lot to play for. I think the Seahawks should win this game. They could uh, spoil it for themselves. But they should win, and if they win, I think the Lions still want to win. The Lions have the offense for it. Aaron Rodgers has looked terrible all year. I like the Seahawks shot. Yeah, I actually I've changed my mind on the scheduling snafu, as you so eloquently put it. Uh, I think that, as you mentioned, uh, the Lions do get the Rams pick. And so they benefit from Seattle winning that game. Because if the Rams lose, they get a better pick, which the Lions can then use to draft whoever they want. So I think as a thank you to us beating the Rams <laughs> and getting them a better pick, the Lions owe us a victory against Aaron Rodgers. That's the logic I'm going with. I still think the Seahawks don't make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, I, I think I think the NFL knew what they're doing. And, and, and they owe us a thank you letter, <laughs> please, to tell you that, if they don't get the dub over Aaron Rodgers. Hey, so they may owe you. They may owe you, but that might be a check that they can't cash. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you know, they they might not be able to do it, especially considering what happened earlier in the year. So we may not have super solidarity on this, but you know, pretty good. No, we do. We all think the Seahawks aren't going to make the playoffs. So, uh, I thought Tyler. No, just I think said they. That. I th- yeah, Tyler just said. Yeah, that you said. Would. I'm sorry, I totally blanked out. That's that's a bad take. That's our first bad I've- take in the podcast. <laughs> A bad take. I'm sorry. I believe in your team more than you do. I've been a Seattle fan long enough to know that believing in your team is the worst mistake you can make in your life. Yeah, you believe in Russell Wilson not to throw a pick at the one-yard line. That was believing there. Yeah, I believe Listen. in Carroll to run a call a run play, too. What's up? <laughs> Geno Smith is a uh, – all. what do they call them now? A Pro Bowl. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback for the first time in his career, uh, as far as I'm aware. Um, they got K9, Roland, DK, Lockett are going to be in. Uh, you got Tariq Woolen is going to pick off Baker Mayfield. That's an interception guarantee that I'm calling right now. Um, I, I mean, this, like I said, it feels like the Jags Titans game. There should be no reason that the are you Seahawks put money on it? not. Are you going to put money on Tariq uh, Woolen getting an interception? If I could bet just for that, I, I actually would put money on that. Mm. Um, I think Baker Mayfield's giving him away. Um, Tariq Woolen's going to get at least an interception here. So analytically, this favors the Seahawks in every way. Um, I mean, even running the ball. Uh, I don't know. I think Aaron Donald's closed up shot. No, so I don't think, think. I don't think we need any more analysis on how the Seahawks are going to beat the Rams. But my point is that for the Seahawks to make the playoffs, oh, uh, you don't like that. It's making you nervous. The lion. Yeah, no. <laughs> shut, you're, you're speaking too much bad juju into the universe. You're ruining his. You're also calling. You're also calling the Lions beating the Packers, having no playoff motivation. You think that that's also going to happen? It's pure spite, and Dan Campbell can convince you to do anything. Dan Campbell will motivate you to walk on water. Damn it! Like Dan Campbell is the man. Um, Also, Jared Goff is playing for his spot too. Jared, the Lions could easily move off Jared Goff if Goff gets this win, gets a winning season for the Lions. He stays. Lions well, I mean, I think game. that's an interesting point, too, considering that with the Lions getting such a high pick, they might use the pick that they got for trading Stafford to the Rams to then pick Goff's replacement. So I think that is an interesting so point ironic. that you just brought up. 
We didn't yeah. have this on the dock, but we do. We did. I know earlier in the week talk about picks and wh- and where those are going to fall. There's a lot of debate over obviously where the top QBs are going to go. Are people going to trade in and out of the top five to get one of those QBs? I don't think the Seahawks take a quarterback, and I think you agree with that. I yeah. don't think that the Lions take a quarterback. I, I really don't. Wow. I think Jared Goff is. Sh- I think if they do take a quarterback, it will be later because the they don't have a solid backup. Yeah. But I think Goff has earned himself another year, especially producing a winning season after the shambles that they were in last year. Um, and I think that they need more help in other places. I think that uh, Aiden Hutchinson has been really good. I don't think that they have a, a secondary piece that really solidifies them. So that top five pick, either they trade back or they get a secondary piece. To be fair, yeah. Goff has not guaranteed them a winning season. They could go eight and fair. nine. Fair. I think if they win this game, I think he's playing for his future. If they win this game, I think he earns it. I think if he doesn't, I think it's still a very good shot he returns. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely less secure. That's a bold call. I like it. I would like to point out that eight and nine is definitely a winning season for the Detroit Lions, just based on their history <laughs> and based on everything. Like there is there's, also there's that. A, like there's a difference between like a winning season for the Seahawks is a Super Bowl. The winning season for the Detroit Lions is not having the top five pick in the draft for once. So well, you know, they, still will, so. they still will. So or, or like yeah. not being one of the five worst teams in the NFL. It's like you know the Sacramento oh, Kings in the NBA right now. You know, like that's this is as good as it's going to get. So all right, all right. You know. So let's stay in the NFC. The same the NFC. All right, there's an outside chance that the Eagles lose the number one seed. You don't have to say who it's going to be. Do you think the Eagles lose the number one seed? Absolutely not. Uh, I'm willing to put that on front street right now. The only reason that they've lost the last two games is because Jalen Hurts didn't play. And I was about Hurts to say, I was about to say, you have to also say, will Jalen Hurts play? I think he will. There's no way to meet. They rested him, I believe, this week. Like he was still dealing with the shoulder, with the injury that he was having, but they decided to rest him again because presumably they thought they could beat the Saints with Gardner Minshew based on the performance they had against Dallas, and it just didn't work out. But I think that regardless of whether or not you know you were going to play him or something like that, you have to play him in Week 18 because you want him to get a rhythm. You don't want it to be like in 2019 when they rested Lamar Jackson the final two weeks and then he sucked against the Titans in the divisional round. Like, you don't want that. So I mm-hmm. think they're going to play Jalen Hurts this week. They're going to, you know, whoop the Giants. The Giants don't have anything to play for, honestly. Like, they're, they're in the playoffs now. They might rest Saquon and Daniel Jones for all we know. So I don't think the Giants are going to be pressing to win this game. I think that the Eagles will come out and spank the Giants and they get the number one seed. Easy. Well, even more, Stevan, uh, the Giants are actually, I believe, locked into seven uh, or uh, six, six, five, six, six. The they Cowboys are locked are into six. Right yeah. The the Giants can't move up. They can't move down. So yeah, when you talk about I'm a saying. team that really has nothing to play for, it is the Giants. Um, and, and I'm actually a little spooked by how much we agree today, Stevan. Me and Stevan rarely agree <laughs> we are always butting heads but yeah. i am in solidarity with steven on this one too uh the eagles i think yeah could have played if if last two weeks mattered i think hurts could have found a way on the field uh they rested him Minshew didn't get it done for a better or worse or whatever reason i think jalen hurts plays at least the first half runs up the score i think he could be uh taken out the second half once they have enough to coast the giants are not going to play barkley he has too many injury risks of course i think daniel jones might play like a quarter just to keep the rhythm just to keep it warm um 
But I think the Eagles play their starters as long as they need to to secure, secure the win, then pull them. Eagle, Eagles get the top spot still. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, we will uh, we will not have solidarity. Uh oh, what's going on here? I think Spice. the Eagles lose to the Giants without Saquon, reeling from the Saints' loss, and the San Francisco Forty ers pick up the one seed and double points. I think that the Cowboys lose to the Detroit Lions in the the wild card round of the playoffs. I think that that is what's going to – I think Detroit beats the Packers in the revenge game. I think the Seahawks lose to the Rams. And I think that the uh, with the second seed, the Dallas Cowboys will lose to the Detroit Lions at home. Stunned. Wow. <laughs> I, have, I, just, I, have no, I have no words for that. That is like – that, that Wow. It's a very narrow path. I yes, will say yeah. – if if the Lions and Cowboys do play in the postseason, I am I I agree with I will stand solidarity and put money on the Lions to beat the Cowboys in the playoffs. I, I, that matchup takes a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. I like it at, as the end goal. I don't like the road there. I'm I'm off the car. But if if it manages there, I'll jump in the car with you. Honestly, man, I, I can see it. I, I can see exactly what you're saying. I just don't think it'll play out like that. I think that the Eagles have too much pride to go into the playoffs losing three straight after having such a great season. And I also don't think the Giants are really pressed to win this game because, yeah. you know, they want to rest their guys. They don't want to be running Saquon 20 times, even if he does play, or, you know, they don't want to have Daniel Jones run himself into the ground. I just think that there's no realistic way I see – Philadelphia losing that game. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And so this this last one is going to be a lot tougher because there are some unknown factors that we don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know. But uh, we don't know how this is going to play out. And that is who's going to be the one seed for the AFC. Yeah, yeah, no really takers. tough there. No, no. <laughs> no yeah, obviously, we don't know. There? Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen between the Bills and the Bengals. They decided not to schedule the game this week, so presumably they're going to play Week 18 like it's Week 18, and then find another place to put that particular game the following week. Maybe they'll have to move some stuff around, and maybe we could talk about scheduling a little bit later. But let's let's go this here. Assuming that the Bills win the uh, assume like whoever wins that game between the Bengals and the Bills are, are, are going to get the number one seed because the Chiefs have lost to both the Bengals and the Bills this year. So the Chiefs are going to win their last game. I think they're – I'm not 100% sure what their last game is, but it's definitely probably – Oh, that would be the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, they're going to they're gonna beat the Raiders. Uh, so they're going to beat the Raiders. Um, I think that – I don't know. You, know, you got Jarrett Studham over there. Studham. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ham studded with cloves, put it in the oven at 350. But anyways – uh, I definitely, I, I think the winner of that particular game, whenever it's played, is going to get the number one seed. I, I definitely see they're going to play this week 18 if they do play, because obviously they don't know what's going to go on with the week 17 game that they were supposed to play. So whenever that game's rescheduled, the winner of that game is going to take the cake and be the number one seed. And I think the winner of that game is going to be the Bills, because as I've stated multiple times about the Bills, you guys have known this throughout the year. To me, this is their year because it has to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if they don't win it this year, they're never going to. 
And they know that. Because the Chiefs yeah. are going to get their receiving core together. The Bengals are only going to get better. The Jaguars are getting better. Hell, they might get somebody and then become an actual you know, team to go against. And then the Dolphins are pretty good now in their division. So there's no guarantee there. So now is their time. And if they don't accomplish winning a Super Bowl or at least getting to a Super Bowl, they're never going to do it with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and the crew. Yeah, that's a, that's a bold take. Obviously, you want to see the Bills win something, I think, uh, before this era passes. Um, and, you know, we got to, we got to take the moment, of course, to, uh, wish our best to DeMar Hamlin. Absolutely. Um, yes. and, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, prayers up to him. I think that's super solidarity right there. More than anything else, the yeah. entire sports world is in solidarity behind DeMar Hamlin, just the type of person he is. Um, just, you can't say enough. Um, that being said, I, I, we hope by the time that this is pu- published, he's made a recovery and he is healing. Um, the NFL does have to decide how to, how to handle this game. And I think we might be able to divot on a, a subtopic here because I think we have discussed this as well. What do they do with this game? Um, I I don't think this game gets played. I don't think it ever does. I don't know if they declare a winner based on what was played. Um, I know that fantasy platforms um, has have announced that basically the points are going to be scored for what portion of that game was played. So maybe the NFL takes that approach and says, hey, the score was 7-3. It's going to stay 7-3. That's how it's going to go in the record books. That could be an outcome. It could be a draw. Give them each a draw. Now the draw does – royally mess up the the scenario that Steven just laid out because then the Chiefs get number one by default. So the draw really doesn't help either the Bills or the Bengals. It's just really, really unfortunate and it, it's hard to know what to do there. First of all, not by default if Kansas City loses to the to the Raiders, uh the Bills could sneak in there. But oh, um, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh I I I also want to correct myself. Uh I was wrong. It has come out from multiple insiders that the uh, the NFL did, in fact, intend on the game to being played. Uh, and it, it was the players and the coaches who refused to play. So oh, um, look. that's a, that's I, a bad yeah, look. I think that's definitely um, – I said this before. I thought people were freaking out because the NFL uh, – I, I think it's a wrong take uh, for – people to think that the NFL had to cancel it without taking in the players' opinions. A lot of people were saying that it was screwed up that the NFL wasn't the one to cancel it, that it ever had to be the decision of the players and coaches. Whereas I think it's it's perfectly reasonable for the NFL to step back and say, hey, what do you guys want to do? You know, you just watched this awful, terrible tragedy happen. Can you play football? You know, and uh, I think, I, I don't think they needed to cancel it. But that being said, I also think that, like, pushing um, I think they made the right decision, obviously, to cancel it when there was pushback. But absolutely, pushing in the first place is, you know, obviously the wrong take here. So I'm wondering what you guys also think about that. Well, obviously, you know, the opinions of the players, especially the Buffalo Bills, do matter. Um, obviously, the condition of Dar um, Demar Hamlin is paramount here, and you know, we wish him nothing but the best and a speedy recovery. But obviously, the Bills' minds are not on football right. So, you know, you don't want to force them to play potentially two games in an abbreviated period. But having said all of that, I think there is a way to potentially reschedule this game and to make it sort of to where you can 
do the playoff schedule. So I know the playoff games are never played on Thursday nights. However, what you can do is the winner of that game is going to get the number one seed. So they'd be on a bye. There would be no scheduling issues with them whatsoever. So let's say the Bills win that game. They're the number one seed. Fine. The Bengals would then play their playoff game. I think you could schedule that to be the following Thursday to give them a week to prepare. And yes, you'd give whoever, you know, the, the six seed is an extra week to prepare, but that's just, you know, making the most out of an unfortunate situation. And then the Bengals side of the bracket, wherever game that the Bengals play in this scenario could just be on Thursday. Because then once that's over with, you know, you'd have the week and then, you know, the Bengals have a week to play on Thursday. Then if they win the divisional game, then the AFC championship game would be played on Thursday instead of Sunday. And then you could go from there. I think that that's definitely, it, it sounds a little bit convoluted at first, but it's definitely realistic given what the players are already used to. They're already used to the quick turnaround between, you know, potentially Sunday and a Thursday. So that's what you'd be having the Bengals go through one time. And then I don't you think just have the NFL ever cancels or moves another game out of prime time. I don't think there's a chance they move a playoff game out of the weekend. I mean, considering that they were willing to rush through and continue playing the game as it was. I don't think that they're willing to eat any more losses. Oh, no, ordinarily um, I'd agree with you, but this is an unprecedented situation. And like you said before, you know, like that's a bad Yeah, but do you think they be. care? <laughs> well, that, that's, that, you know, is something that obviously we don't know and obviously we could speculate. But I definitely think that if you want like a concrete way to kind of iron this out in a way that kind of makes sense and – can fit with an already, you know, compressed schedule, I think that that's the way to go. You could just have whatever team loses that game, presumably they could play their playoff games on Thursday. So I, I think even more so than the NFL not wanting to move this around, you got to think about the owners uh, of these, obviously the stadiums and stuff. Uh, moving out of prime time, you're moving a game from Sunday to Thursday is going to change the attendance, the concessions, the par- like all of that scheduling yeah. logistics around uh, having maybe a Sunday four o'clock game versus a Thursday eight o'clock game is huge. Uh, I want you to the- walk up to Roger Goodell and pitch having the AFC championship game on a Thursday. All right. I I want you to think about what I could get like some if I could get some solidarity money, I I definitely do it. You know, I'd fly fly out to New York or wherever the hell he is and you know pitch it to him. Yeah, well I don't like sending people on fruitless ventures, so we're gonna time. I agree that it, it doesn't sound like it would work, but that's the only way it could work, if that makes sense. Let's put it that way. Like that's so, you know, without canceling the game or without, you know, some other, you know, thing that we haven't even thought of so far. But there the is one see. other path. I think there is one other path is that there is a week off that's built in between the championship games and the Super Bowl. Right. So it would suck, but they could move back the, the three weeks of playoff game of, uh, you know, playoff rounds into that week off that would normally be built in before the, the, the big game, uh, you know, not to be trademarked there, but, um, I think that that eats out, it eats into like media coverage and stuff like that. I know, like, you know, one of those weeks is just like taking pictures and having pressers. So that might not be favorable either. I think what we're describing here, and that's why I, I really, uh, definitely anti-solidarity with you, Stevan. I think you, you laid out a, something that works, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be functionally impossible, but 
I, I mean, you know, the money, the, the realistic nature of this all. Um, I think that this game does not get played. I think it's either scored as is or ends up as a draw. Um, and, and I think, I think maybe the opinions of the Bills and the Bengals will get taken into account here. Maybe, maybe the Bills are okay with the draw and they'll say, you know what, we'll just play the extra game. Um, so that could be an account. I, I don't, don't think the Bills want to do that though. Yeah, I don't see the Bills being okay. The Bills that. do not want no. to go to Arrowhead. Absolutely not. No, that's no, what I'm I don't, so I don't that's think, where it's really tough. I think the Bills would be fine accepting a tie. I just don't think that the Bills would be fine accepting a loss for oh, not seven and a quarter three, play. Yeah. Well, you mean the Bengals upset, accepting the loss? No, the Bengals were up seven. Oh, wait, no, the Bengals were up The Bengals were up seven to three. Yeah. Oh, snap. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, I'm just saying oh, that yeah. I don't That's think that, uh, yeah, and it's, it would almost feel like punishing the Bills. If that game got scored as is, the Bengals win, and then if the Chiefs lost, the Bengals would get the number one seed. No, even if the Chiefs, even if the Chiefs would win, like the, the Bengals have, the Bengals and the Bills both have the tiebreaker over KC. So they would just have to win their Week 18 matchup, whoever wins that game, and then get Yeah, it. but Stephen, so. what I'm saying is is that if if they gave the Bengals the Week 17 win and then the Chiefs lost in Week 18, the Bengals have a path to the to the one seed. But I know, but what true. I'm saying is, is that the Bengals would get the one seed regardless if they win their Week 18 game because they would have right. the same yeah, record yeah, yeah, as the Chiefs, and then they would have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs because they beat them. That's, that's what no, I'm that's, saying. No, that's not true. They already yeah. have four losses. Wait, they do? Mm-hmm. But they would have the tiebreaker. They would have no. Casey only has three losses. Casey only has three losses. Yeah, yeah, and then they would lose to the Raiders. Okay, okay, okay. I was thinking the Bills and them had the same record, but yeah, no, they don't. The the Bengals are one game behind. Okay. So if but if the Bengals won that game and the Bills got their fourth loss and then the Chiefs did lose Week 18, yes, and the Bengals had four losses, that would be it. That would be it. Yeah. If they all had four losses, the Bengals would have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs and the Bills, and that's what gets them the one seed. Which would be pretty crazy. Damn, so Bengals be might really, really love this game to just be scored. <laughs> oh yeah, um, they, they, they'd love you know just to stick to the seven to three because like you always take the win, right? But all right. So I know that we opened this topic as who is the one seed, and I don't think that we answered it. And I think it's really, really hard to answer because of the yeah. unprecedented nature of this all. Let's let's wash the slate clean. Let's you know assume that this game doesn't matter necessarily. Let, let's just talk about in terms of who we think is the number one team mm. in the AFC. Let's go there. I mean, you got to go with you got to go with the Bills. I think that the Bills, you know, wh- whatever you think about Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow or Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, you can't deny the fact that from a complete team perspective, the Bills I think are the best team. Like their offense, defense, you know, uh, the. The receive, even though the Bengals have a better receiving core, I think that, you know, Stefan Diggs is a slightly, I would put Stefan Diggs slightly ahead of Jamar Chase in terms of like the star receiver thing. Uh, you know, Ooh. Dawson Knox is like certainly, Dawson Knox and Travis Kelsey is in the comparison, but I would put Dawson Knox over Hayden Hurst <laughs> any day. Uh, but yeah, Mahomes' receiving core is lacking outside of Travis Kelsey. And then Joe Burrow's, like the, the Bengals defense, you know, is, is spotty good, but isn't near the level of, you know, like a shutdown ability that the Bills have. So I think that the Bills are the most complete team. And like I was saying before, if they don't do it this year, they're not going to do it. So this seems to me their year because they have to. And I think that that rules the day for me. I 
I, I'll give you the Bills are the most complete team. Um, they obviously are having an emotional side of how to continue this season that might be insurmountable, unfortunately. But that is taking true, yeah. com- taking complete team aside, who's the best quarterback there is Patrick Mahomes. And who's the best coach there is Andy Reid. You give me the best coach, you give me the best quarterback. You give me the best skill player, which is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is better than Stephon Diggs. Fair, He's better fair. than Jamar Chase. Fair. So you got, you're got you telling me you, I got the best skill player, I got the best quarterback, I got the best coach. I don't care about anything else. That's going to win me the game. Um, and if they just beat the Raiders, they get the one seed, um, you know, pending pending the Bills Bengals matchup, they could get the one seed. If you give them home field advantage on top of the best quarterback, the best coach, and the best skill player, I mean, it, it, it is the Chiefs lockdown. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I guess the real question is, you know, what? which way do I go for solidarity? You know, I, I don't <laughs> think. I mean, you could pick the Bengals and then we'd all have a. Because that's exactly what I'm doing. We all have one pick. I do oh! actually think that the Bengals are the best out of the three. I mean, if you just look at the. We got schedule, a super split. Every I mean, okay, they lost. They lost to the. They lost to the Steelers at the beginning of the season, but you know they lost. They, <laughs> yeah, because their lost. long snapper got hurt. They literally couldn't snap the ball on an extra point. That's if why. they exactly. could so, have that game back, that game if they back. could just have that game back. All they had to do oh was make God. the extra point, but their long snapper got hurt. I, I remember watching that game, thinking like they're not going to be able to execute this thing, and then they screwed it up. So they have passed every challenge that's come to them this season. They've stumbled a couple times against. Division opponents, everyone does it. But at the end of the day, they beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, every I mean, the Bills beat the Chiefs too. That's, I mean, I, I think that Tyler's wrong here. That's 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 what that boils down to. I really think it's just between <laughs> the Bills and the Bengals. And I, I think we would have got that answer, which is why the game is so, you know, frustrating. Obviously, and I, I guess that kind of segues into the next the next point that I think needs to be addressed and that's sort of like how do, that not necessarily how do we prevent this specific injury because I think we can all agree it was a freak accident yeah. but how do we how do we change the culture because obviously something's not working you know uh the I don't know if it's the league I don't know if it's the the culture what what it is that needs to change for the for the sport to feel safer you know parents are putting their kids into you know, kids into, you know, Pop Warner or anything like that. You know, it feels like the spirit of the sport is dying. So, wh- how does how does that change? How 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 do we how do we address that? How does the NFL address that? I think the NFL has to be more forthcoming about the injuries and what people are signing up for. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I know the coughing doesn't sound good on the mic, but. <laughs> uh, we've been talking for a while. Uh, I don't I haven't done this much solid talking in a long time. Um, anyways, so we're, uh, you know, just to peek behind the curtain, we're all legally inclined. Stevan and I are law students. So I got to look at this at a, as a legal perspective, right? The NFL has had many, many legal challenges. Of course, there was the concussion movie. Um, the NFL has kind of systematically tried to eradicate mm. the risk of injury. Um, in multiple ways. And I, I mean, the, the, it's just that the buck stopped. And I think the, the quicker that they own that 
this is a physical violent sport. It really, I mean, it is, it's a violent sport. Uh, no other sport, um, at least out of like the big four are people just running into each other at full speed. I mean, even in hockey, they're not really like running at full. I mean, you get a shoulder check. I, I think it's a little bit different, but no one's um, getting penalized for targeting in hockey. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's true. So the NFL really needs to own up to it and do things to uh, take this down the pipeline. I think they need to be more in um, working closely with like the NCAA into how to, make college football safer. Let's go down to the high school level. How are we teaching this uh, to the youth? Um, Cause it's a shame. I mean, you hear from like even professional sports players, like professional football players are scared to put their kids into little leagues and to play football because they realize how dangerous it is. But yet the NFL hasn't been proactive in addressing that. Uh, th- that's a real problem. And until they do that, there's going to be like this air of, unaccountability. Um, so, yeah. That was a great point that you made about the NFL. I'm going to make a little bit more of a point about, you know, the players on that level. It seems to me, and, you know, there's probably a stat on this somewhere, so I could be wrong, but it seems to me the players that are suffering the most kind of injuries, like the one, like obviously the cardiac arrest one was kind of unique and like a freak injury, but it seems to me that like a lot of the people that are seriously injured are defensive players and defensive players are the ones, you know, giving the hit and, you know, things of that nature. I think that we need to start and I never played defense. So obviously I'm not like super hip to like the type of training that they get and everything. I played offense. You just go out there, catch the ball, go down, whatever. But if you could train somehow the players to, you know, wrap up, like to wrap up in a safer way or to, you know, hit in a safer way or something like that, then, you know, you're not leading with the crown of your helmet. Cause like the natural instinct when you're trying to tackle somebody or get them down is to go like head first into them. It seems like. And I think that if you teach that on the pop Warner level on up to the high school level and the college level, how to give safer, like to make safer defensive plays like that and to make, you know, safer contact with, other people on the field, I think that could go a long way towards addressing, especially the concussion issue as well. And that's what I got on that. Yeah. So Here's these the guys, thing. Oh, go ahead. I was, I, I just, I, I want to comment on like seven talking about like practice and stuff is like, um, I mean, I, I mean, I know you played high school ball. I played freshman football, uh, but I did play years of little league as well. And I feel like we did learn like to form tackle to, to wrap up and, and to, and to like, you know, try to go like more chest to chest or maybe shoulder in the stomach and not to lead with the head to specifically avert our head. Um, so it, it's just really confusing to me as to how we got here because I mean, presumably we're the age of, you know, you know, seniors in college or, or rookies in the league for second years in the league. So it seems like we would be in this uh, class to speak of people that are, are hitting just recklessly. And we saw it in the NCAA uh, in the TCU game. I know that there was a hit late and then in the, in the Georgia Ohio state game as well. Why is it like, why are people still hitting like this um, where they're just flying in? Um, it happened in the Colts game a couple weeks ago. Uh, one of the Colts players got just absolutely obliterated. And um, it, it doesn't make sense to me because I know how I was coached. And, Stevan, it sounds like you were coached responsibly as well. 
So where, where is the miscommunication happening? And that's where it feels like it really is. The NFL needs to go down to the NCAA. Maybe it's high school. Maybe it's the upper levels or these really uber competitive. I went to a shit football school. My high school was not good at all. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah. maybe it's these uber competitive high schools that are uh, being a little more aggressive. Yeah. So actually I can provide a little bit of uh, perspective there considering that I went to a state championship high school. Played football there. There you go. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Um, these guys have heard this before. So this is more directed directly at the viewers. I'm going to go on a bit of a diatribe here. Um, this injury and all the injuries resonates with me profoundly. Uh, so I I know y'all can't see me. It's a podcast. But I'm a six foot five guy, uh, larger build. I was born to be a left tackle. When I moved to the South, every, every, every time I walked into a restaurant, I'd be like, boy, do you play football? So, you know, it, 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 it was a part of me until I chose to let that go. And so, you know, I would, I was, I played in high school for a lot of high school and I was getting offers, not, not, I wasn't old enough to be getting written offers, but, you know, contact from D1 schools and, uh, eventually, when it came down to make that decision, I looked at my life and I realized that I don't, I, I, I quit because of these injuries. I quit because I didn't, regardless of how much they paid me, I didn't want, uh, to, to do that to myself. And, um, to, to Tyler's point, that's, that's the culture, you know, especially of these schools that are, you know, these high school schools, which are frankly, there's no, there's no degree in football coaching, you know, like these high school coaches really just did whatever the person above them you know, whatever the previous generation did. It's, it's, it's the percolation from the top level is not as quick as people think. And so, and a, a lot of my issues with the NFL and how they've handled this sort of stuff is it's all been very performative. Nothing is really substantive. And that the first actual real step I've seen ever in my life was college football banning targeting and treating it the way they did by ejecting players. It's a real consequence. It's not just 15 yards. Like it's, you think about it. You There is a reason to teach your players to not lead with the crown of their helmet because you will not have them for their safety and for the safety of the other team. And so I'm I'm proud of the NCAA for doing that. I mean, I'm not saying I like the NCAA. I think they've done a lot of things, but, you know, I think they did one good thing. So that's that's good. But that for the, the NFL really needs, and it's just a, it's a larger, it's a culture issue of the game. The NFL wants to be the game that kids grow up playing. It's what the family's built around. It's what daddy played. It's what you're going to play and grow up and be this opportunity. And I just don't think that's, it's compatible with how the game is. It's a violent sport. As Tyler said, it is the most violent sport of the major four. And frankly, I think it should be treated similar to like MMA and other fighting sports because it has the same sort of risk. It carries the same sort of penalties for not only playing it, but playing it wrong. And you, you, and you can injure yourself and injure other people doing. And so it's just sort of this, and I, I think a lot of it starts with practice. You know, practice should be about techni- technique, not hitting the shit out of each other. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure some people listening played high school ball and had board drills, which is literally you lining up six inches from another person. And you're home <laughs> with the helmet. I remember those. Like those the first sucked. thing to the first thing to make contact is head to head. Like it's, yeah. it's inevitable. Yeah, and you're remember, like under a you're like under an awning. Too, literally, so like yeah. You can't even you can't even move your head really that like side to side. You just got to go at. I hate you it have to. It happen. has to be head to head contact. 
Or how about Oklahoma drills? It's just like yeah. get up before you can oh orient yourself and run at the target. <laughs> oh yeah. And I remember not wanting to do it, and I remember shaming myself, being shamed by my coaches, and you know, it's just you know. And at the end of the day, I kind of looked at it, and I'm like, I'm not insane for not wanting to do this. I want to learn how to tackle. I want to learn how to play football, but I don't want to have my head hurt every time I walk off the practice mm-hmm. field. So. I think it's an overall shift of the N- the NFL. There's a lot of things they need to do. There's they need to accept that they're not t-ball, they're not baseball. Kids can't be playing this sport the way they're playing it right now from all ages. Professional. I think the, the the thing that really screws me up about it is I also think the professionals are doing this. Contact in professional practices is the least out of any level, but it's it, you don't see it anywhere else. You know, colleges is still hit in practice. Actually, even colleges have started toning that down. I think uh, there's been measures instituted that prevent mm-hmm. how much colleges allow their players to have contact during practice. And But you just don't see it in high school and you don't see it even lower, which is the places where it does the most damage. So anyway, this, this is all just to say that I think it's a culture problem. And I think there's steps that need mm-hmm. to be taken for the NFL because they just, they have this reputation of covering, trying to put things under the carpet so they can keep this image and they have to not embrace it, but learn to accept that it's a fact of life that if you play football, you're putting yourself at risk and you have to take those precautions. It's not a safe sport. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, we look at, there's literally like a league of combat sports and, you know, maybe JP, mm-hmm. you can open up on, on a show. Maybe we'll dive into <laughs> combat sports at another, on another episode. But the fact that we have people that we have boxing, we have MMA, we have wrestling, there are safe ways to drop people on their head and kick people mm-hmm. in their head, direct head head contact. Um, I mean, I know people scoff at the WWE as being performative, but the fact that they're able to do that in a safe way, there is a safe way to drop somebody on their head. Um, and, and there's not rampant concussions and CTE coming from these combat sports at the level that they are from the NFL. So, um, it, if you can embrace it and say, Hey, we are a combat, like it's literally got fighting in the name yet. They do it safely and in a very programmed way uh, to avoid injuries and to care about each other too. If you're talking about a culture problem, why, why are some of the NFL players running at breakneck speed with the crown of their helmet? Like where's the humanity in that? It feels like there needs to be more respect in in the players themselves to not be so competitive as to want to take this guy's head off. And how about well, also self stop the ball from moving. The, yeah, the self respect yeah. there, you know, to respect yourself enough to not lead with the ground of your head and risk permanent neck paralysis just to tackle, not even better, just 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 to do it. Like it just yeah. and uh, to, to your point about combat sports and the 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 way I said it earlier is treat football like MMA like. I feel like the NFL isn't open enough about the risk that's associated with playing the sport. And football provides a wonderful opportunity. I've seen it firsthand to give people the opportunity to start a career, go to college, do the things they couldn't do without it. But I feel like they're not as forthcoming enough about the the risks that come with it. You know, the, the, the things that you will have to give up to play the game. And, uh, I just I don't think this the sport I think we can all agree is not compatible the way the NFL is treating it right now. Something has to change. And I think uh, I think that the NFL being honest about what kind of sport it is is the first step. 
I will say uh, you guys mentioned like the fighting sports like MMA and UFC, and you guys know that I'm not like a, like a boxing or like a UFC guy. But the one thing I will say, having watched that a little bit is it's a much more controlled environment in the octagon or in the ring because the ref's right there. Yeah. So if somebody's doing an illegal move, you can break it up right away. On an NFL field, you may be 20 yards down the field and get like a big, you know, hit on somebody and the ref can't really do anything about it. It's not as controlled of an environment as. Yeah. And that control is going to come from preemptive stuff. So that's why, that, exactly. I mean, I think all the things we're saying, I, I'm really glad that we got to solidarity on this point, especially <laughs> is it's being preemptive. It is trying to find a way to control it. it, it it's teaching how to tackle safely and properly having self-respect, changing the culture in, into not being ashamed of what you are. It's a contact sport and we could do this safely. And I think that's where we've, we've come to solidarity on. Yeah, I agree. Sure. Uh, well, this did take a, a little bit of a, a serious turn. We did save that for the end to try to, you know, start with some energy, but, but also get some substance here. So, uh, we do anticipate that future, uh, shows will, you know, have a variance. I mean, so, I mean there are real lives being affected here, obviously, as we've seen this week. Uh, so some topics will be a little bit heavy. Some will be, you know, very, um, substance-based and policy-based as to where we go. Some of the times we'll be shooting the shit a little bit more. Um, and I think uh, our next episode, just to preview a little bit, uh, one of our other passions that we bring our solidarity to is sports betting. Um, so we definitely want to incorporate that a little bit. And just to preview where we're going, um, we have playoffs in the NFL, obviously, coming up. Um if you've heard of best ball, we're all really excited about best ball coming up. Uh, Steven, if you want to explain maybe just a little bit uh, for those who may not have played best ball before. Sure. So on underdog fantasy, not a sponsor, but you know, they're a pretty good app to, you know, do daily fantasy and stuff like that. They have a daily a fantasy football and basketball too, for that matter thing called best ball, where it's not like you set your starting lineup every week. It's when you draft the guys you get the benefit of their points whenever they go off. So, for example, if you drafted Justin Jefferson number one overall, right, and he has, like, a really crappy game against whatever playoff opponent that he goes against, if you and K.J. Osborne has, like, nine catches for 117 yards and a touchdown, if you have K.J. Osborne, you're going to have K.J. Osborne be your starter and you're going to get those points versus the five or six points. Because Jefferson just had a game where he had one catch for 15 yards or whatever it is. If he does that in the playoffs and you're in a best ball format, then you won't get the penalized for him not having a good game. Now, you will get penalized for not being able to draft other players that were probably better. But if you drafted K.J. Osborne and he goes off, then you get the benefit of those points. So it's something you could just, like, set it, you draft it, and then you forget about it. And, you know, they have a thing called Gauntlet on Underdog where you put $25 uh, down for a team and you draft, you know, 10 rounds or so. And there are six people in the draft and you try to draft the best team that you can. There is also the lower tier. Uh, I believe they call it the Mitten, which is $5 on Underdog specifically. The small Mitten, not the uh, Big Mitten. The Big Mitten is actually more than Best Ball. It's like $250. Yeah, $250 you go either way with yeah. that. And from our fantasy experience this year um, – I know I've I've griped, whined, bitched, and moaned, and all the above about uh, start sit decisions in fantasy football in our uh, league this past year, um, where I could have very easily been the champion right now, but for uh, a a uh, Rashad Bateman 
in whatever fucking week that was that he played one drive. Um, you know, a little salty still, but best ball avoids that exact problem. So, uh, I think coming up, uh, our next episode, Steven is going to lead us on doing a draft live on air. So we'll do some analysis If fantasy football is your thing. Definitely join us, uh, for the next episode. We'll break down those playoff matchups that we kind of previewed here, uh, dive in into where we're going to be drafting. And then we're going to do a draft live on air. Um, and yeah, that's where we're going to go from here. <laughs>